Good morning. Good morning. Is Robbie here this morning? There he is. I stood out there at 9 o'clock this morning waiting for you to come, and I didn't see you. But it's good to see you. I'll tell you that. It's good to see you. You look different than when you left here. I don't know whether he grew up or grew down. But anyway, I'm glad he's here today and happy that he's here. Our hearts have hurt this past week. And Dion, you and Sheila, we've just prayed and prayed and prayed about wore out my shoes. God bless you. I'm going to get right into the lesson now. Jesus is setting up on a mountain. Started in Matthew 5. And he's sitting on one mountain talking about another mountain that's coming that's going to be a spiritual mountain. And he's telling the people what kind of people they have to be. And he is comparing the teachings that the people had been getting from the scribes and the Pharisees and comparing that to what Moses really said and what the real meaning of all of this was. And so they had watched the hypocritical ways that the scribes and Pharisees had practiced their religion, had come to believe much of that, and Jesus is saying, you have heard that it was said. And now he is saying, I'm going to tell you what the real meaning is. And so he comes down to prayer now. And prayer, of course, is something that all of us should treasure with all of our heart that we can be able to actually talk with God. And that's an awesome thought to think about that God, who he is, the creator of all the universe, the ruler of heaven and earth, that he would allow man to talk with him. But not only that, God talks with us. And therefore, it is a communication we get on. So I'm talking today about prayer that pleases God. In the reading, in Matthew 6, 5 through 15, and if you will notice, Dustin's reading is a little bit different than what the King James says. And I'm reading from the King James, and so it says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which is seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not, not ye therefore unlike unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner therefore pray you, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I wonder how much we really appreciate the blessing of prayer. And the blessing of prayer is 
as I said when we started, that we are able to actually talk with God and that God will actually listen to us. And you think how minute we are. If you stand on the moon, you couldn't even see Sandy if she was walking along the beach. That's how small we are. And yet God pays attention, and the Bible says that God even knows the number of hairs that you have on your head. And so this is an amazing thing that God, that is so powerful, that Job thought was so powerful, that he couldn't really talk with and explain his case. And he got that all wrong, by the way. That we can actually talk with God, and God listens to us. Through grace and prayer, we receive mercy in time of need. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. That profession, by the way, is the same as our confession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And when I read passage like this, I think about those that have lost somebody. The pain that we have, you have Sandy, you have Sherry, you have Dion, and you have Mason, you have John, you have all of us, that we have our pain, and nobody can really understand that pain. I don't care who you are, and you can say, I understand, every pain is different in people. But there is one that understands, and that is our high priest. Jesus Christ understands exactly the pain that we go through. He understands what it is to hurt this way. And he understands and he sympathizes with us. To think about Christ and his position where he's at and sympathizing with us. And so that's a great comfort to me that one that understands my pain can sympathize with me and he can go to the Father for me. And then through prayer we find peace that guards our minds and gives assurance. Over in Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want you to notice there that he is giving you the secret to the peace that passeth understanding. The problem is that sometimes we don't understand when you have these three things coming together. That first of all, when he talks about prayer, it's talking about magnifying God. It's talking about thinking how wonderful God is and putting your attention upon God. When you put your attention upon God, guess where your attention is not? It's not upon you. And when you put supplication here, this is talking about, and I realize supplication can be for yourself, but here it's talking about supplication, praying for other people. 
that the other people that you have in mind, that you're putting them there before God and you're saying, I want to pray deeply, sincerely about those people that I associate with every day and those that I read about in the papers, those that I understand are going through difficulties. I put my mind, when your mind is upon people, guess where it's not? It's not upon yourself. And then he says, let your requests be made known unto God. And boy, I have a lot of requests. You know, when I was a little kid, I used to pray for a pony. I never got that. Well, I didn't understand about prayer then. But I was getting an idea that if you want something, you better talk to God. You know, he says, ask and you shall receive. If you don't ask, you won't get anything. So when you get ready to pray, pray to God The point that is being made all the way through here, if you want to have peace, he said, this is the way to do it. Put your mind on other people, upon God, and not upon yourself, and you will get peace, and it is a peace that passes understanding. Prayers are a waste of time if they're not heard. I think everybody would agree with that. Somebody said, I don't think my prayers get any higher than the ceiling. Well, they probably don't. And if they don't get higher than the ceiling, then you're not talking to God, and it's just a bunch of talking. You may feel better about yourself. But the Bible says that not all prayers are heard by God. Over in Proverbs 28 and 9, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. John's lesson this morning as he was teaching us, one of the things that you notice is God says if you're going to be committed, then you're going to do what God says to do. You are committed to do what God says to do. And he says if you're not committed to do what God says to do, that your prayer is an abomination. So that brings us down to am I really doing what God wants me to do? And that will answer everything about your prayers or whether they're being heard. Many men, print, many men pray to no avail whatsoever. Over in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, and that he will not hear. So here I am, and when we're talking about sins, and we're talking about transgression transgression and all of that, we're talking about an ongoing practice. And we do not practice sin. That's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. A non-Christian practices sin. We practice righteousness. So we're talking about those individuals that are truly trying to do God's will. He says, those people God will hear. If you're not doing that, God said, I will not hear your prayer. In 1 Peter, the third chapter, in verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. We need to understand what pleases God in prayer. And I don't think we understand that very often. We have our little rote prayers that as we go to bed, we say a few words and then we go to sleep and say we said our prayers. 
But to honestly concentrate about God and concentrate about other people (coughs) is what prayer is about. Prayer is about, and certainly it helps us, but it draws us so close to God, even though he knows what we need. It's like me, I knew what my children needed when they were little, but I was so glad when they came and asked me for it. And this is God. God says, I know what you need, but I want you to recognize where these blessings are coming from. Main thing he is saying is don't be a hypocrite. When you're praying, be sincere. So the main thing is when I pray, am I doing it just to be seen of men or am I actually talking to God? Now you have to ask yourself that question. And Jesus is not teaching that public prayer is wrong. And the reason I know that is because in Matthew eleven twenty five, it says at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto the babes. And he was there with other people and they heard that prayer. We also read in 1141, they, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And that's the resurrection of Lazarus. So the public prayer is good if you're doing it for the right reason. And the apostle Paul also in Acts 27, 35, and when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. So the public prayer is fine. We have public prayer right here. He's not condemning that. He's condemning why people do what they do. Have you ever heard somebody, and we've illustrated it this way, When they come to church, they get up to pray. And I don't mind long prayers that the people are saying something. But so many people get up and they're like the little girl that was going to bed. And she didn't want to go to bed. And so she had to say her prayers before she went to bed. And so she started out, God bless mama, God bless daddy, God bless the chickens, God bless the turkeys, God bless... God. And just went on and on because she didn't want to go to bed. And sometimes this satisfies mother. But that's what we do in church sometimes. We try to satisfy everybody. So we go on for an hour praying and we really haven't said anything. And usually what we have done when we get through is we've quoted a lot of scripture to God and he gave the scripture. You don't need to quote scripture to God. He he gave it. So... Our prayer, God says, I'm looking at the attitude of your heart. That's what we need to work at. Now, we need to do it correctly. So don't take what I'm saying, but get your heart into it. If I really want to put my heart into it, it means that this is a prayer that I'm either offering for the congregation and all of our prayers go up together. Or I am praying secretly, and those secret prayers are very important. 
So the prayer that pleases God, the first thing that he really says is don't play act. I can remember my brother putting me in a garage and setting me on a couch and preaching to me because he was playing like he was a preacher. And I was playing like I was a member. And I'd have to listen to him, and I didn't like what he was saying. He talked about the lust of the flesh. I had no idea what the lust of the flesh was. But it went over, and it sounded good. And I thought, boy, he must be a great preacher, and he's going to someday really preach great lessons. But I didn't understand what he was saying. And that's what many preachers are. They preach great sermons. Nobody knows what they said, but it sounds good. When you love to be seen, and have you ever noticed, and I'll be be honest with you, when I started preaching, I prayed a lot. But a lot of it, I think, was more showmanship than I like to admit. I did it because I wanted people to see that I was a praying man. You do not need an audience to pray and so many people want an audience when you when most of the prayers are in secret this is pleasing to God God loves for you to go to him when you're alone and say God I want to pour out my heart to you when you pour out your heart to him you can be assured that you're going to get something back if you listen to God Our problem is, is we do all the talking and God, we don't listen to. So when we pray, we pray out to God. And then if you want the answer, then look in what God said and God will answer you or he will do it through providence. I don't even get into providence. That's God's job. He does that where he, where I am and where I go and what I do. If I'm following God, I'll end up in the right place. God will see to that. How he does it, I don't know. But the other way is through the word of God. And when I look in the word of God, he is answering. When I ask the question, he will give me an answer. Now, sometimes it takes me a long time to hear God. I'll find it, but I didn't really understand it. And then I get it. And I think that all of us go through that very phase. The heathens, when they prayed, they tried to wear their gods out with repetition. When you're offering to God, don't use empty repetitions. Now, repetition is good if it's not an empty repetition. I want you to see that this is so easy. There are a lot of people that go through a lot of rigmarole. And I'm not bad-mouthing anybody. I'm just simply saying, if I do the rosary over and over and over, this is a liturgical thing. You know, the Church of England, some of them stand on the corner and they lean up here and they repeat the words, 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 words over and over. And they feel very holy about it. So God says, you don't have to use vain repetitions because uh, repetitive prayers 
are not wrong if they have real value. Look, look at this. In Matthew 26, 36 through 44, Then cometh Jesus for them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep and saith to Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again and the second time prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again and so on. That's a repetitive prayer. That's going over the same thing. And this, Jesus says that's not wrong. When you're in that kind of pain, when you're in that kind of anguish, you, that repetitive prayer is very important. If you notice in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 and 8, Paul said, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. So three times, that's repetitive. Three times I'm asking for the same thing. Now we could talk about the thorn in the flesh. I believe it's one thing. Somebody else believes it's another. But the point is the Father knows what you need. And he's not persuaded by quantity of words, but by the quality of your heart. When you pray, does your heart really go out? We need to offer our prayers according to the pattern. And I'm going to tell you, we're getting further and further away in the church today. And when I say the church, I'm talking in general. We're getting further and further away from the pattern. There is a pattern that God laid down and we're to follow that pattern. And woe unto those that don't follow that pattern. In this manner, Jesus is saying, is not saying, I want you to say these words over and over and over. How many people go, and when they're in trouble, say, uh, Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name, and they go through what they call the Lord's Prayer. He's saying, I want you to do it in this manner. It's a pattern, and it's not liturgical. Liturgical is just simply doing something over and over in a religious way that really doesn't have too much meaning. And the proper pa pattern, I want you to notice this, is simplicity. Let's get that all the way through. It is very simple what he is saying to do. If you notice the word therefore, it follows what was said before. It is a contrast between right and the heathens. So he's making a contrast and saying, 
The brevity of the words are amazing here. Reverence for God and his name. Do you remember in John the 17th chapter? He said, I came to declare thy name and I have declared thy name. And people say, well, we get to know that his name is Jehovah. I want you to see what Jesus really did when he reverenced the name of God. When he introduced the name of God and showed what it really meant. He was showing the character of God and he was also showing this is what God can do. When you think about God, I want you to think about number one, he is called God Almighty. If he's almighty, he can do anything, can't he? He is almighty. He is called the high and exalted one. Well, if he's exalted, that means he's got a position above everybody else. He says, I am that I am. I had no beginning. I have no ending. That's who I am. He is the living God. And he's the holy one of Israel. He is the head over all. He's the greatness on high. He's the king of kings. He's the God of glory. He's the Lord of all the earth. God the most high. God in heaven. Lord of lords. Ruler. Enthroned one. The Lord is one. King of the nations. True God. And when we come down to here. He says I'm going to give you a name. That is so important. It's father. Now can you imagine. Us being able to call him our father. Ah, that should chill every bone within us, that this is my father. We've had physical fathers. Here's our spiritual father. He's in heaven. We're on earth. And there's communication between heaven and earth, between earth and heaven. He says, pray for the progress of the kingdom and his will on earth. How do you do that? You live it. That's how you do it. You show that to other people that we want to get the way that he rules in heaven is the way that he rules upon earth, that he is over everything and he takes care of everything if we will allow him to. And we're looking at a spiritual side Instead of a physical side. Do you realize most of our prayers are about physical things? I got tired of praying to God and asking him for certain things and never getting it. And I figured out that I was praying wrong. I was asking for the wrong things. In the heartaches and the pain, I don't ask that we stop them. I ask that people remain faithful to God in those things. That God gives them the faith that they need and he gives it to them. And I ask them to turn to the scripture and look at the faith that comes. Yes, we ask for physical necessities. Everybody, you know, it's hard to worship if you're starving to death. So we ask for physical necessities. Give us this day our daily necessities. That's what he's saying. The things that are necessary for us, we recognize they come from you, God, and give them. Uh, You realize how many times God has answered through his saints that they come and help you. 
That's God working in their hearts. That's God working in a way that we stand amazed. We ask for our spiritual needs. Isn't that really where it's really at? If you get your spiritual needs taken care of, you can go through any pain. Do you get that? We can get burdened down with the physical things and forget about the spiritual. If I have peace with God, if I have peace with my brethren, if I have the love of God in my heart, if I know that my conscience has been cleared, then I can go through anything because I have God. And if I have God, I've got it all. And if you don't have God, you don't have anything that amounts to a hill of beans. We need to learn. This spiritually. Do you pray for forgiveness of sins? How many of you have ever made it a day that you didn't sin? No hands? You had? Have you ever made it a day that you didn't sin? Okay. Well, you're no exception. (laughs) Everybody, we can't get it right. That's why we need the blood of Christ. If I could do it perfectly, I wouldn't even need Christ. But I can't. And God says, pray for the forgiveness of sins. Now, you should be of a prayerful mind all the time in case you go out and do something and then get hit by a car. You're not going to hell. If you have a prayerful mind. In other words, I'm depending upon God. Yes, I messed up with God. I'm depending upon you to help me. And pray for deliverance from evil. Why do we stay in evil? Because that's where we want to be. How did we get over there? Well, God directed me over there. God didn't direct you over there. You forgot to pray for him not to deliver you over there. God says, I'll take care of you. And we say, well, I don't like the way you're doing that. And we move over here and we're in a sinful condition. How do you get away from that? Well, depend upon God. Follow the pattern. Follow the pattern. And to praise God. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, when he says that, when that kingdom, and sometimes... The kingdom is used for the church, and I realize that. But when the kingdom gets into me, it's not so much the church getting into me, it's the rulership of Christ in my life. Every time that we ob- somebody obeys the gospel of Christ, you see, I hear people say all the time, you can't pray this prayer today because the kingdom has already come. May I suggest that every time that somebody obeys the gospel of Christ, the kingdom has come. 
that that kingdom comes into their life and Christ starts reigning in their life. And that kingdom, they are in the kingdom and the kingdom is in them and they are following what God wants them to do. And he becomes the ruler. So he says, I want you to pray these things and recognize the power that he has. I don't think we realize what power God has. And that's why we don't pray. And then, it's to be offered with a merciful spirit. You know why mercy is so hard to give? It's because we're so perfect. That's why. Once you're perfect, it's hard to give mercy. Mercy. We got big sinners back here. Don, I know you. It's hard to be merciful. Why? Because I'm so righteous. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't commit adultery. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. Really? In Matthew, the 18th chapter, and this is the attitude. Don't you get tired of brethren saying, I'm sorry. Don't you get tired of brethren saying, I'm repenting. In Matthew 18. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. In other words, seven times you've come to me and I'm tired of it. And Jesus said, no, you only forgive him 490 times. Is that what Jesus said? Is that what Jesus meant? Now that's what he said. But is that what he meant? He meant every time your brother comes and repents to you, you're to forgive him. Well, I'm tired of doing that. How many times did you sin this week? And what if God said, I'm tired of you coming to me with the same old problems? I I tell you, I've changed problems through the years, but I've still got the problems and they last for quite a while. And I keep coming to God and I keep praying to God and God keeps forgiving me. But when you want forgiveness... I don't have time to forgive you and I'm tired of it of you coming and doing that to me. As we used to do when we were kids. Shame on you. Shame on you. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. And he goes on and tells this parable about forgiveness. In James, the second chapter in verse 13, for he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. You know, repentance, we have an idea that repentance is done in the aisle. In other words, you repent in the seat, walk down the aisle and then confess before everybody 
Repentance is done in the heart. Repentance is done in the heart. I want you to think this morning seriously. Now, if we don't get serious about anything else, get serious about this. I want you to think about the people that have offended you. And think what you really think in your mind about those people. That will give you the answer of whether or not you're willing to extend mercy. You know, when Jesus said upon the cross, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. God didn't forgive any of them until the day of Pentecost. And that day he forgave them. But the attitude, I want them forgiven. Now, you can't forgive somebody unless they repent. But I want to forgive them. That is deep in my heart. I want to forgive them. I don't want to hold this in my heart. And this is where the hard part comes in. They have offended me so badly that I can't get rid of it bunch of junk get rid of it so you need to get it straightened out today to be seen of God and not men is the conclusion of this and God hears the prayer if they're prayed right Psalm 65 2 oh thou that hearest prayer unto thee shall all flesh come And but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When I'm truly seeking God and I'm praying to God and I really want God, I want to be directed by God. God said, I will show you the way and I will direct you. The lesson is yours. And hopefully you will get all malice out of your heart and really get into prayer. If you're here and we can help you obey the gospel, the baptistry is ready. And if you really believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, are willing to repent, turn the driving steering wheel over to God instead of you trying to direct your own life, confess that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, be baptized for the remission of sins as you enter into the death of Christ and into the blood of Christ. You can be saved today. What are you waiting for? Won't you come? All together we stand.